1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
0: So what are you supposed to do between each N gadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories.
1: It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from
2: Engadget. <laughs> What's up, Internet? And welcome back to the Gadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar.
1: I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Love.
2: This week, we'll be diving into Neuralink and the latest news around that and brain-computer interfaces. Last week, the FDA reportedly didn't allow them to expand to human trials. So we've got Andrew Tarantola from Engadget to talk about that. We'll also be diving into a bunch of news around accessibility, um, the latest dumb things Elon Musk has said, and uh, yeah, we've got some other news. We've got some sono speakers and a lot of stuff going on. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Drop us a review on iTunes, and uh, you can always leave us an email at podcastandgadget.com. I'm sure after this episode, people are going to have a lot of emails to send us. (laughs) You can also catch us Thursday mornings, typically around 10.30 a.m. Eastern, on our YouTube channel, where we'll be doing a live stream of the show, and uh, sometimes we show off gadgets, and, you know, we take some time to answer questions. So join us. It's a fun time. To reiterate, last week, the FDA reportedly said that it was not going to be allowing human trials for Neuralink, which is one of Elon Musk's other companies that we don't hear too much about often. But that's the one that's trying to develop a brain-computer interface, something that you implant in your brain that can communicate uh, you know, wirelessly with computers, that can also accept data and things like that. This is not a topic we've talked about very much. So that's why I've brought in Andrew Tarantola, a senior editor in Gadget. He's covered this particular topic. He also covers a lot of like forward-facing and future futuristic topics for us in Gadget. So here's our chat. Andy's going to break down everything that's going on with Neuralink and BCIs in general and the issues facing Neuralink as a company. Andrew Tarantola, thank you so much for joining us on the Gadget podcast.
0: Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for talking to me.
2: Andy, I feel like your beat is some of the most fun stuff we cover because you're like far future weird stuff, AI, you know, so you've been following brain computer interfaces in Neuralink for a while. Can you give us a brief, over brief uh, overview of what Neuralink is and uh, what Elon Musk and crew are trying to accomplish with that?
0: Sure, absolutely. So uh, Neuralink is a brain computer interface technology company. They're developing uh, brain computer interfaces, which act as sort of um, analog to digital converters for your brain. Uh, they act like uh, a gateway that allows information to flow between your analog brain and a digital computer. Uh, same basic idea as what uh, a microphone does for sound or what digital cameras do when they capture visual light. Uh, so anyway, uh, back in 2016, Elon Musk and seven other engineers and scientists founded Neuralink, the company. Uh, today, only two of those original eight uh, people remain, Elon being one of them. Now, Elon reportedly got the idea for brain-computer interfaces from the neural lace concept originally laid out in Ian Banks's The Culture series. It's a, oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, you
0: know the book series. It's great. Um, that's not entirely accurate because we've actually been shoving computers into living animals <laughs> since the 70s. No, I'm just serious. Uh The, yeah, f- the very yeah. first human uh, BCI uh, implantations happened in the 90s. And those were like super early. But the ones that we see as BCIs today, those initial ones started happening in the early 2000s.
2: I I remember seeing like, you know, video and footage of people just wearing, um, you know, basically hair caps, head Mm -hmm. caps that was transferring, you know, electrical data to with tons of wires. Are those basically like early BCIs?
0: They were they were like the the originals, but they're still in use uh, for a lot of applications today. There are actually two main types of, of brain computer interfaces. You have the EEG skull caps, like what you're describing. Yep. Uh, those work great because they're non invasive. You don't need to like drill a hole in someone's skull to to use them. The downside of that is that they don't produce as clear of a fidelity. Uh, the, the signal strength isn't as great because you're trying to get you're trying to read that through all of the brain and bone and and muscle and tissue and stuff. Uh, but again, they, they don't require uh, an, an, an additional hole in your head. I,
2: that, that, that makes sense. I feel it's the difference between having like a telescope on Earth, right? And having one in space, right? Like yeah. The, the sort of clarity you get from that. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And on the other end of that, you have stuff that, that's implantable, like what Neuralink's doing, that requires doctors to uh, drill a tiny hole in your head, about two millimeters in size, and then they expand it out to eight millimeters to get everything in there and close it back up gotcha. anyway just a tiny hole just a tiny hole in, <laughs> yeah, your, tiny head. Hole in your head and they- i feel
2: like uh that is my first pause with this technology you know um so andy the reason we're talking about this is because Neuralink has been in the news recently you know you you just said that yeah they started with what like seven people including elon musk a <laughs> bunch of people most of those folks have gone people from the the actual like neuroscientists and people who are actually working in this field that doesn't seem very promising and most recently we saw the report that they've been, uh, denied human trials, uh, something that was linked to a ton of pig deaths. Apparently I know you reported on that. Uh, what is the story there?
0: Okay. So there has been a whole lot of pig killing, um, before we start, uh, human trials or before yeah. you can start human trials, the FDA requires you to go through a number of animal models to make sure that it's safe and isn't going to immediately like explode people's brains. Uh, So Neuralink has been doing that, uh, and it just hasn't been going well for them. An advocacy group last year claimed that uh, the company has killed more than 1,500 animals, including 280 sheep, pigs, and monkeys since uh, 2018. Uh, Reportedly, uh, 15 of the 23 uh, simians that Elon Musk showed off. Uh, playing pong with their minds uh, last Mm -hmm. November. Reportedly, a number of those have died as well, according to claims from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Uh, They're an advocacy group that is not particularly happy with with what Neuralink's been doing. Uh, And additionally, the FDA has had some serious concerns about uh, Neuralink's technologies, which is why last year they denied the company's request to begin human trials. Uh, The FDA's concerns involve stuff like what happens when the battery fails is that going to discharge electricity or yeah. like can, can amount you, of heats into your into your brain
2: can you describe this device by the way because like you're talking about a battery you know batteries have not been so kind to us lately batteries in our phones are expanding batteries in electric cars are exploding yeah um now we want to put them by our brains okay
0: oh, God. just try and imagine getting onto a plane with that
2: yeah um, yeah
0: <laughs> so anyway the 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 uh The Neuralink Link, which is what the device itself is called, is a little uh, 23-millimeter hockey puck-shaped thing that sits inside your skull with up to, I think, 3,000 little teeny tiny electrodes spreading out from it into your motor cortex, where they'll pick up electrical signals from the surrounding brain tissue and feed it into the device, which then translates it into a digital signal and bounces out, out to a nearby mobile device using Bluetooth.
2: Gotcha. So gotcha. It,
0: it, it's basically yeah, it sits on top of your brain and and translates the signals from your gray matter into something that your computer can can understand. And hopefully in the future we'll be able to do that in the opposite direction as well being able to take signals from a computer back into the brain allowing people to get a sense of uh feedback or tactile sensation from the robotic devices
2: this all sounds uh, listen i'm like all for new gadgets and that's Mm -hmm. trying to like cross the border between man and machine although the ai stuff recently is also getting me worried um but it does seem like uh this this is a lot of work and a lot of dangerous work Mm -hmm. and i've seen the reports about monkeys a couple years ago too like people were saying they're basically torturing these monkeys to get these things in there and to like test, like how they're working. I'm reminded of the beginning of 28 days later where that didn't work out so well for humanity. Right. The the rage virus. Um, But what, why, why are we putting all these animals through this? Right. Like what is, what would we be able to do with a Neuralink uh, ideally?
0: I mean, in a, in an ideal world, the, the possibilities are, are endless. I mean, Mm -hmm. with the stuff that we've already got today, I mean, BCIs can help restore paralyzed people's ability to walk. Uh, There was a 27-year-old guy in Southern California who was paralyzed in a uh, 2008 traffic accident. And he was given a a brain-computer interface and a little device that basically bridged the gap in his spinal column uh, that had been severed during the accident. And he was trained on a BCI to basically uh, move a little computer character across the screen by walking using the same mental pathways that he would use to tell his own legs to walk and then they programmed a computer based off of that and then fed those signals when he does them again into the device allowing him to to walk
2: that that does seem pretty wild andy like it it seems usable but uh mainly for you know somebody who who is disabled and may want to you, you know regain use of some parts of their body is this What is the thing for, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't have to go to such drastic measures, right? Like for a person, like the reason why you would get an iPhone or something like would we is the idea of a Neuralink to be ever that casual too for people?
0: Oh, absolutely. Just not within the next, you know, 5, 10, (laughs) probably 20 years. I mean, Uh we're still dealing with a very new fight technology uh, that's barely barely out of the lab Uh, for as much as uh, Elon Musk likes to talk a big game. We're still very much years away from seeing this in more than like extreme medical cases in terms of like, I mean, yeah, it'll help a paralyzed person walk. It'll help you control robotic limbs and exoskeletons and Luke arms and help people with Parkinson's and ALS. But it's not going to be a Fitbit for your skull. Like Musk is trying to tell us at least not in the near term.
2: Are people actually taking Neuralink seriously? Because I've seen a lot of uh, commentary from other people in in the BCI community who are like, this is – it's kind of a joke and everything he's showing is stuff we've seen before. Like, is there is there any real innovation here and are people in the industry taking him seriously?
0: I mean – so, yeah, it is. it's hard to take – Elon Musk seriously, just because of his history of outrageous statements, uh, and as I said before, like we've seen this sort of technology since the '70s, since the '90s, since the start of the, the century. Whether Neuralink themselves will will do will be able to do all this, I, I don't know. I mean, you've already got companies like well, you've already got companies like Synchron, uh, which last year um, implanted the first or successfully implanted the first BCI. Over at Mount Sinai Hospital, they basically beat Neuralink to market. Um, So the technology's there; someone's going to do it. Whether or not it's Elon Musk and his specific team of people, who knows?
2: Is that one that was just implanted? Is that one wireless in the way that Neuralink is wireless, can you know communicate wirelessly with? A device or a computer synchron is
0: actually really cool because instead of having to drill a hole into your skull they it's they use a it's called a stenthode. it's a it's a it's a stent like what they use to open up arteries the clogged arteries and an electrode so they basically jam this up through your uh jugular vein into okay. your into your motor cortex you know as you do
2: uh-huh.
0: um and they expand it out there and that and from the walls of the Uh, from their arterial walls, it can pick up the electrical signals coming in from the brain. So again, you don't need that. You don't need to install like 3000 little tiny electrodes throughout your gray matter. You don't need another hole in your head. You just need this. It's stuck up in there. And that, it yeah. picks up those signals, shuns them down to a, a computer embedded into your chest, and then, yeah, it goes out through bluetooth and, and you got, gotcha,
2: gotcha. so you just need to offer up your jugular to like a vampire basically like that that's that's kind of the the imagery here. I think musk was talking about that at some point too, from stuff I've read. um, I just want to go back to like why why the heck did Elon Musk do this to begin with? like I seem to remember he was terrified of. You know, unchecked AI and the power of AI to to destroy humanity, basically. Mm-hmm. And, hey, I'm scared of AI for other reasons, like mainly for disinformation and what it's going to do for our social structure. But you know, uh, what is is the idea for Neuralink basically to make us uh, feature complete or feature competitive with AI, like as fast uh, in terms of processing data and things like that?
0: I mean, this is wholly my own opinion uh-huh. but no, sure. elon musk saw a shiny and decided he wanted to do that it, mm-hmm. it was the same thing that he did with open ai when he uh when he dropped off the board because he was going to make a robot at tesla and then as soon as OpenAI ai dropped uh chat gbt all of a sudden he's back saying he wants to make a new uh ai company that does a an anti-woke version of it it's it's just
2: yeah he He's a guy who I think re- is very into geeky things but has way too much money that he can just like act on all these impulses, right?
0: Yeah. There, there's no one telling him no or or focusing him on it.
2: Gotcha. I'm wondering like what are – so you know, we've been exploring this field for a while. I'm sure the animal rights people are really annoyed at like how they're testing these things. But are ethicists and philosophers thinking about like what it means for humans to be – integrating ourselves into machines like this and especially like at the level of the brain it seems like that opens up entirely new questions of like okay who gets access to this you know uh how will will they all of a sudden um you know have a higher place in society are we asking the bigger questions because i feel like around ai especially like we're we're not we're just kind of barreling into things and i'm that's what's annoying to me
0: absolutely we're moving fast and breaking stuff i We've been asking these questions. I mean, you look at movies like Johnny Mnemonic, or okay, I'm only coming up with Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> because I watched that this weekend. But yeah, have we've... you seen the black and white one? The black and white one, I didn't There's know there apparently was apparently
2: a, black, a one. black and white like re- cut of it, which looks kind of amazing. I want to
0: rewatch Ooh, like that. how they did uh Logan Noir, yes,
2: exactly. Oh, that's so cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've been asking these questions for, for decades now. Um and we will continue to ask them. And ethicists are definitely wondering how this is going to impact society, how this is going to impact our relationships with technology and with each other. Whether or not the co- the companies that are also developing this technology are asking those same questions or whether they're asking if they even should be doing this sort of stuff. Eh, maybe not so much. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah th- this is definitely stuff that we're going to have to. To work on and figure out and ask, you know, these are t- tough questions we're going to have to ask. But as you mentioned, you look at like AI. Have, have we ever developed a chatbot that hasn't turned immediately racist? Yeah, I, and that's not a that's not a rhetorical question. I've generally been trying to look into it, and I can't find one.
2: Mm-hmm. So because like human humans will find a way to troll the inputs, right? Of and course, make that happen, and we saw that immediately with like the last thing with Tay that Microsoft introduced, and. People can easily like the, the whole thing about ChatGPT, right? It's pulling data that's uh, existing on the internet. If people learn to manipulate like the source files and stuff that it's pulling data from, yeah, uh, we're, we're kind of doomed there. Um, you know, around this stuff, Andy, uh, I am wondering. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts on this? Like, if you if the if Neuralink was You know, feature complete, totally ready, totally safe. Would you be ready to like plug yourself into this? Would you see benefits of that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I I have wanted to live in a um, ghost in the shell future since I was about 11. Mm -hmm. And like the idea of being able to control my car, my computer, my phone, my the world around me using just mental commands. Oh, hell yeah. That sounds wonderful.
2: Yeah. It's very. Uh, I imagine like the game Watchdogs too, where you're basically like just waving your hand and changing stoplights and exactly. forcing other cars off the road. Yeah.
0: I want a, i want a cyberpunk seventy seven future. I mean that that that's what I'm looking for. And I, I think
2: about those futures, and those are all like dystopians. Yeah, dystopias, right? It's yeah. like at, at this <laughs> point, I think, think we're getting. getting scared.
0: Yeah, we're, we're getting dystopian anyway. Like no matter what we do at this point, it's it's going to be dystopian. So if we can choose one that lets me. Let's me open my garage without having to find my garage door opener i am yeah sign me up
2: totally totally i feel like um the thing is we're seeing like the more and more we connect to our technology the like less we can predict the human impacts of it so like social networking has 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 caused serious damage to the world and to, to the idea of democracy our smartphones have like taken up all our attention it just feels like every time we like um basically bring humanity closer to tech there are severe downsides kind of worried what they're going to be here yeah. um how how is the competition looking uh, you mentioned was it synchron um are there any other direct neuralink competitors
0: uh, there are a, there are a handful right now that are like uh commercial companies but they're not nearly as long as far along as either synchron or um, or Neuralink hard. You're also seeing a lot of uh, university and uh, academic researchers still in this field. Because as I said, it's, it's still very new and it's still barely out of the lab. So you're, you don't have as many uh, commercial interests pursuing this just yet because there aren't quite as many commercial applications. It's still very much in the, in the research and development phase.
2: That makes sense. And I do feel like the academic researchers would be the ones who are like, okay, let's let's take this slow. Let's ask questions and like let's be considerate about this. Whereas once it gets to a company or any like any capitalist-driven um, organization, then the idea is like, okay, how do we productize this? Right? Which is kind of what happened to ChatGPT, and now it's going to be everywhere. I'm looking at my Windows 11 taskbar now, which has a little search bar, uh, which is not fully ChatGPT like together, but it is a, that's microsoft's vision right they yeah. want it in everything it seems like we we are so we we just want to like really move forward as much as we can because it gets the headlines i guess Of course. and yeah I, I don't know where it's going to go for neuralink like do you have any what what is next for neuralink andy because it seems like the human trials are not happening anytime soon do they have to prove themselves to be more responsible or considerate for those to happen
0: yes uh, the fda has a, has a special uh Sort of side plan for uh, for these for these sorts of developments. Uh, if the if the animal testing doesn't go well, uh, they'll have Neuralink do a smaller, slower test on humans. Uh, basically, a, a smaller sample size spread out over a longer period of time. Uh, it they'll so Neuralink can still get FDA uh, approval for its device. It's just going to take a bit longer than what they were initially hoping to see.
2: Gotcha. Cool. Well, Andrew Tarantola, thank you so much for joining us in the Engadget podcast. Where can we find your work on the internet these days?
0: Oh, you can find me at engadget.com.
2: And you're still on Twitter, right? Any Mastodon or anything? Uh, I'm
0: on Mastodon uh, at Tarantula at masto.ai, M-A-S-T-O dot A-I.
2: All right. Thank you so much,
0: Andy. Thanks, Dev.
2: Let's move on to some other news, which I think is kind of relevant to a lot of topics yeah. we're going to be talking about today. It's a big week for accessibility news. A lot of companies have talked about stuff. And of course, somehow, s- somehow we are once again talking about Elon Musk and this very, very strange interaction that happened um, earlier this week, where I saw um, a former Twitter employee, Harolder Torlefsson, who started a tweet thread saying very, very respectfully, very kindly saying like, hey, um... Haven't been able to log into my email for a while. Uh like uh what what's going on? He pinged Elon directly, and there was this weird back and forth where Elon was like, Tell me what work you did. And then uh Haralder, aka Hari, listed all his credentials. And there was this weird thing that happened where Essentially, like this guy Harry was trying to figure out if he was actually still employed by Twitter or actually fired. Um, he had re- he had contacted HR. He had contacted several other people, and it wasn't until like he pinged Elon on Twitter to kind of figure out what's happening that he actually got some sort of confirmation. And that kind of spun out of control because then Elon was sort of like um, started trolling the guy, saying, um, "You know, you're not actually." Um, That you didn't actually do much work um he kind of laughed at him early on too and then it was like revealed that this is a guy um who had sold a company to twitter a design firm to twitter he's also somebody who has muscular dystrophy so he's been using a wheelchair for a very long time and it's just a very strange thing where elon was pretending or at least assuming that he did not actually do much work because um Holly is also having issues with his hands and finger inputs. Um, so this is a very strange story. I don't know if you saw this part of it, Shrolyn, and then I'll talk about like where we are or your response to this I, as you saw this going on.
1: Yeah, I saw this. Uh, I, saw, I went to look at the back and forth um, and to see what Elon said to this person in particular. And it was basically he assumed he was like, oh, this person, uh, you know, he basically... Questioned the legitimacy of this person's claim that they're disabled, more or yeah. less, and uh, said that, like, oh, he, he he's he, he, prominent. He
2: can, he, here's he the Elon yeah. quote He's prominent, Act, he has an active Twitter account, and is wealthy. Uh, the reason he confronted me in public was to get a big payout. So that was Elon's response initially.
1: But then there was the other part of it where he basically said, This person, um, Claim that they can't, they can only type for a certain number of hours a day, and so therefore he assumed, Elon assumed that this person can't do any work because they can't type for longer than what a couple hours a day. But uh, Harry. I think, came back and was like, yeah, I get so much done in the two hours of typing. It's not because my job is requiring me to sit at a desk and type nonstop for two hours straight. Two hours when spread out throughout the day is like could be 200 emails. Like it's yeah. a lot. There of are also different input
2: mechanisms. Uh, when I was in right. college, I once I once like helped somebody who had basically worked so hard over weekends. She like uh, just couldn't use her wrists for several months like they had to heal. So I set up, you know, this was in 2005. I set up. Um text-to-speech software so she could actually get work done and do some writing so we have the tools we have a lot of ways to do things
1: and And i'm sure that they're doing that too so so it was very that was to me the most triggering part to see because for elon to completely dismiss that person's value as an individual just because he believed that they claimed a disability that he didn't seem to think existed that was not cool um and also just the fact that elon felt the need to like
2: come after this person exactly
1: like come after this person as a knee-jerk reaction he did a so-called apologize so so there
2: there was stuff that happened there then there were the revelations that um i don't know if it's technically true that holly was on a no like do not fire this man list uh because his the terms of his employment are kind of weird um so twitter had bought his company several years ago instead of getting a big cash payout he decided um to take a salary basically as part of this whole thing if he was ever fired then Twitter would have to pay him the full set the full amount of that deal um, also j- just as a, an aside um, Holly, is somebody who's become sort of like an internet hero in in kind of a sweet way Um, because he is one of the most well-known people in Iceland. Um, He has done a lot of work. Um, He has this project where he's trying to build as many uh, wheelchair ramps in Iceland as possible. That's Mm -hmm. super cool. Um, Something close to my heart, he's also opening up a bar slash restaurant slash cinema in Reykjavik. Just go to his Twitter account too. It is a beautiful space. But clearly like a guy who seems like He's 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 kind of doing things in the best way possible for for the people around him, right? So by taking that salary, he was going to be taxed um, higher than if he had taken the full lump sum of that deal. Uh, there were ways like for him to pay less taxes, and he purposely said that he wanted to pay back into the country that you know gave him basically a free education and a lot of help throughout his career. Um, that's very nice. That's something elon doesn't quite do with his taxes um so yeah this guy has been become a bit of a hero he's been on several podcasts right now i just wanted to point this situation out because it is like another example of like elon's like knee-jerk style of management which turns out like oh no you are you are in a world of hurt and so After all that, I think after a lot of these things came to note and maybe lawyers started calling Elon Musk, um, he issued an apology saying, I would like to apologize to Holly for my misunderstanding of his situation. It was based on some things I was told that were untrue or in some cases true, but not meaningful. Okay. Yeah. Um, He is considered remaining. He's considering remaining at Twitter, Elon says. I don't think Holly has replied, like has said, like if he will be doing that, I think there is. Honestly, like everyone, I I wonder if there's going to be like a big public move to be like, this man man should just run Twitter because clearly I I don't know if it's in good hands right now. Yeah.
1: I am just very curious, given everything that's been happening, right? With the outage, the, the, this mockery, this awful behavior that his most fervent supporters or even his more casual supporters, like where, how do they feel? Just
2: people on Twitter, I see like basically taking Elon's side. I'm looking at our chat room right now and seeing a lot of people saying that too. It's like, you just. Oh. Th- this is. I didn't see that. Uh. It's yeah. You know, they're 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 supposed. To. It is a weird thing. Please don't simp for billionaires. They don't care about you. <laughs> care about the guy who who was basically laid off from a job um, that he was apparently really enjoying too and was doing good work at. But the basic humanity of not knowing if you were working or not, especially if you are supporting your family and you know trying to do a good job, I think is just. It's a really sad story, and I think this is going to be like one of those things when we look back at what Elon's reign of terror at Twitter has been. Like, this is going to be a pretty notable story.
1: I like that. I like that. Darren N in our chat was like, "It's horrible, but at least he apologized and somehow had the self control to not call him a pedo." Or yeah, so that's funny. He, he like,
2: apologized, but even then, like his, his apology he was, like, was empty. It was a weird mealy mouth thing where specifically where he says, "I was told things that were untrue were in some cases true." But not yeah, meaningful. But not mm. meaningful. Okay.
1: It's it's kinda like I'm sorry that I got bad info. You know, like I'm sorry that someone else gave me you know what I mean like almost throwing yeah. someone else. I'm under sorry the bus. that I
2: reacted to you the way my personality really tends to. The, without, like yeah. let, let's yeah. let's
1: put it this way. A real apology would have looked like this. A real apology would be like, I'm sorry I messed up. I should never have said this sort of stuff to anyone ever. And I will be Trying my best to be a better person in the future. That's it. I'm looking forward but, to
2: seeing a real apology like that from Elon Musk. Ever. For anything. For anything. Just
1: FYI. Just FYI. In case y'all uh-huh. are wondering what a real apology looks like, that's, that's what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like, some people don't understand. The word sorry doesn't always mean... Like, I'm apologetic. It just
2: means
1: (laughs) I need to say sorry because the people are asking for it, but I want to deflect still and they can add stuff. I'm sorry, but it's not necessarily an apology. So So
2: I think one key aspect of this too is the way Elon basically like diminished um, Holly's disability and sort of like pretended it wasn't real. And that is something people are dealing with all the time too. Like people with chronic... Uh, chronic syndromes where it's not really visible that they're having issues or need certain types of help. Um, There's often an issue of managers and people at the work just thinking, oh, you're just being lazy or you're not actually doing your work. And that is that is just really crummy, and I hope like this brings to light a lot of these situations. But let's move on to like some of the actual actual news, actual good news, too. Um, Microsoft held a disability um, or an ability summit uh, this week, and they announced that Microsoft 365 will soon have an accessibility assistant. Um, that seems pretty cool. I know you've been following the stuff closely, Sherlyn. Um, do you have any thoughts on this and what Microsoft is doing as a company right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the 13th Ability Summit that Microsoft has hosted now. Um, and the the accessibility assistant coming to the 3 um Microsoft 365 which Confused me because I was like, isn't that Office 365? Anyway, <laughs> Microsoft 365, uh, it's basically kind of like a checker, um, which will offer you suggestions on how to like, hey, this part, may, you know, a small font like that may be hard to read or use ha- more high contrast color schemes to uh, oh, you know, allow for better readability, that sort of stuff. Um, so it will be throughout uh, the Microsoft 365 suite. Um, and Microsoft has done this before in, you know, things like Visual Studio, which is... Visuals is more like a program thing, right? So you're like making programs to make them easier to use. Um, but alongside the the assistant, uh, the accessibility assistant, the company also announced more 3D printed p- attachments for the Surface Pen, um, which were already available before for the Business Pen and the Classroom Pen too. So it's just like coming to more things, and this is part of their whole, you know, using 3D printing to make. Uh, accessories a bit more usable by people with different uh, motor disabilities or so. Um, Azure is also getting some uh, accessibility-minded updates. The Seeing AI app we saw fairly recently got, you know, uh, update to help people with uh, low vision or who are blind make their way through So it will do an even
2: better job of helping you, like, walk through a building,
1: which is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. So, like, navigate a, a structure and that sort of thing. So a bunch of updates. And, again, Microsoft has a great chief accessibility officer has a pretty good approach to accessibility within its organization and its structure like it you know it's got like people embedded in every team as opposed to like one team that may or may not get included in the whole process right so i do applaud microsoft for constantly kind of being on top of it um And yeah, I think we could stand to see more of it. I think this week or last week we had hearing day, world hearing day. Um, So maybe this is tied to that uh, event. But yeah, we again, I, I like to see more being done. I think the work is never done for for making sure products are accessible and inclusive so
2: for sure it's uh microsoft has like a whole uh, like department right devoted to accessibility too which is something we've not seen at many other companies so Uh, they've they've been doing better i would say i know people have followed basically what microsoft started doing
1: right well here's the good news is that like they play nice with each other too i mean apple has a very good uh, approach to accessibility as well. I'm not as familiar with how their accessibility department necessarily looks, but I know that I've spoken with Jenny Le Fleury. She's the um, chief accessibility officer at Microsoft, and uh, they have like a spoken wheel approach. So there is sort of that internal department, but they more have like people spread out to all the teams, hardware, office, Azure, et cetera, who are involved in all the product design stuff. So a a bit more of an integrated function as opposed to like, say at Google, maybe there's a separate accessibility team or at Twitter where they used to have uh, a very young and newly set up accessibility team. That was like a separate team from everyone else. It's a very, it's a bit of a different approach, I think. Mm So, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah. Um, we also know, uh, or at least you were getting ready for Google IO. So (laughs) do you have anything to tell us about that?
1: A little bit of behind the scenes. I've been uh-huh. pushing Google to like let me know what the date of Google yeah, I yeah, is this year for a long mm, time. A I've been like, plan. guys, yeah. guys, I have travel plans coming up. I need to know <laughs> if I can leave in May. This like, is very smart of you, Sherlin.
2: This is better than when I, I always, took two weeks off and Microsoft was like, oh, yeah, let's have a big event. In the middle oh, of the week. No, but look, yeah. so it just shows my
1: priorities are like, yeah, I'm yeah, a slave yeah. to work, right? So I'm like, y'all, I might not go to this important wedding. <laughs> if, if you have IO, so just let me know. You know what I mean? You so would like,
2: probably, knowing you, you would have more fun at IO than some, is, maybe a wedding. Well, So now I, to. To yeah. now I get
1: to do both. Now I get to do both. Basically, uh, I will be going to a wedding in May and then straight after that, go to Google IO, which is happening May 10th. Okay. Uh, it's at the Shoreline Amphitheater. It is a limited in-person event. But uh, some members, some members of our team have gotten invites, including mine. I am quite likely to go. Uh, we don't know who else uh, is going yet. Um, no real clue on what we're expecting to see in terms of products. I would not be surprised. I actually would bet big money on AI being a focal point of this year's <laughs> Google I.O. I, uh, yeah. So, uh, I wonder what the odds are on that one, but, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, anyone, anyone here want to take me up on my bet? I bet we will hear more about Bard AI come Google I.O. 2023 in May, uh, on May 10th. I bet, I bet, uh, ooh, I bet a special shout out on the show. <laughs> i'm sure that's worth a lot of money
2: oh man so speaking of ai it also seems like microsoft is holding a future of work event on march 16th which is going to focus on ai and how they're going to be using ai in the work so uh, okay sure
1: yeah we Uh, we, it's going to be integrating a A ai into more of the office products and that sort of stuff but it sounds like we're going to learn a little bit more about bing ai as well um coming to some of these products um there so basically having having mm-hmm. having chat write your essays for you right inside <laughs> word right like yeah well there was really.
2: a report from the information that said Outlook could use AI to improve search results and suggest email replies which you know Gmail has like basic versions of that already and word could give you writing suggestions so you know yeah yeah I don't know I, I really wonder how word processors are going to balance the sort of like here are some ju- suggestions for what you're writing versus just let me write the whole thing like just I want to open words. Be like, I gotta, gotta write. I gotta write a review about this phone. <laughs> just write it for me. I
1: know. Or, I just like. Can you write a review for me that I just like edit few bits and pieces of here and there? Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: No, It'll don't do that because then you are, you are training to make us r- irrelevant, Trillen. So no, we always have to well, have I can the write human other
1: stuff. No, I can write jokes. No. If we
2: <laughs> if we do this, it's just taking from us. So anyway, Future of Work, March sixteenth, event from Microsoft. That's going to be, um, I I would expect not too much like in gadget related news, but we'll be be keeping an eye on it for sure. Um, Have you seen these new Sonos speakers, Sherlin? I have
1: heard about them, been hearing about them for a while. I like Sonos, very good audio brand.
2: I like Sonos, too. And this week, Sonos announced their spatial audio speakers. This is something that was leaked, I think, by The Verge several weeks ago. And we've been expecting it for a long time. So they have announced the $450 ERA 300 speaker and also the ERA 100, which is $250. The ERA uh, 300 Basically, it looks like it's going to be a HomePod-like competitor. It is a big single speaker. looks like it has – it's almost like – it's like a very weird shape. It's kind of like you took a speaker and you kind of squeezed it in the middle. So, kind of you have two speakers coming out (laughs) at either end. Um, The idea with Spatial Audio, as with the HomePod and the Amazon Echo Studio, is that it actually has several speakers inside and can sort of, like, give you a sense of you're watching a live musical performance rather than hearing one or two speakers individually. So – it's just cool technology. I think yeah. um, so. Nate Ingram at Engadget has written up his uh, perspective on it. He took a demo with them, and um, they seem nice. They seem really cool. Uh, my thing is the Era One Hundred may actually be more interesting, especially for people who have um, Sono surround sound setups already. Um, I believe both of these are Dolby Atmos capable. I didn't get a look at that.
1: Yeah, with if you have, you can pair them up apparently, and then if you have a sound bar uh you get like a complete obms like setup apparently
2: uh that's what it seems like um but yeah the idea of using a pair of era 300s which that may be a little extravagant that's 450 dollars per speaker but using them Mm -hmm. as your rear speakers if you have a sonos arc play bar like the sonos Mm -hmm. arc soundbar up front itself that's like a 800 dollar thing plus the, the sub which is another big chunk of change you could have a beautiful wireless uh fully atmos system in your house that covers atmos from the front and atmos from the rear and you know what that stuff is kind of wild i don't know if you you've probably heard in theaters show because atmos is everywhere have you heard like so like atmos in somebody's house maybe at sam's house um mm-hmm.
1: Well, no, Sam doesn't. Sam ain't fancy like that. Uh, sorry, Sam. My, my, my brother in Singapore somehow I think managed to get uh, some secondhand Sonos speakers, maybe, and I have experienced some of that. Um I think I can't tell if it was necessarily Adobe Atmos. It has to be the arc. Home.
2: It has to be the arc or the Beam Two. The Beam Two, which I reviewed, also has a bit of Atmos But Could stuff, be the Beam I can't Zari.
1: remember. Anyway, these are I do cool. have a question. Yeah. Yeah. What's no, that? my question, Dev, is like you know, my setup is Google speakers around uh-huh. my apartment, which is now a one bedroom, so I have some space. Um, and I've been thinking, should I invest in Sonos? Should I? Is it is it worthwhile to go to Sonos?
2: Mm hmm. Uh, I would say so. I mean, the, the question is, do you want it to be like a little standalone speaker? or Do you want it to be like buy your TV and give you TV sound? Like, do you want to be your TV speaker, too? And then at that point, you should decide, like, okay, maybe the be- the Sonos Beam 2, I think, would be a good one for you. Because it's a, sound a nice bar. little soundbar. bar, oh, soundbar, mm-hmm. but you can also use it as just, like, your living room speaker, you know, whenever you want to hear Ooh. music. So, that would be my recommendation to you. Uh, can I, can things, I
1: link yeah. the Sonos to Google speakers? I know, this is, like, my personal shopping advice you channel, can. y'all. Welcome so to I my channel. I believe Sonos does
2: support, they support both Alexa and Google Assistant, as I recall. And so, you so I can have
1: both the Google speakers and the Sonos speaker play at the same time?
2: That I don't know about. That is up okay, to I'll, Google.
1: I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll talk to Google. It's okay. I'll talk that to Google anyway. That is up to
2: Google. And also mm-hmm. the way Google like handles partner devices is weird. They'll um, be fine. Yeah. I'll just
1: make it a request. They'll be like, yes, we'll make do it for you.
2: Do it for you. <laughs> um. Anyway, new Sonos speakers. Very exciting. Um. I'm, I'm a big Sonos fan, even though I also wrote an article several years about when Sonos initially announced that they're going to be basically ending support for some of their first-gen devices. And... That is the danger of Sonos. That is the danger of like getting any smart device where the risk is that in a couple of years, like support could end or, you know, they, they could just decide to deprecate your device and you're stuck. And that's not something you have to deal with if you buy big boy speakers, if you buy like <laughs> standard hi fi speakers or something. Right. So, right. you know what? The more we talk about this stuff, Shirlin, I have a pair of like Kef uh, giant bookshelves around my monitor right now, which plug into a little, little amplifier. These things will last to send them forever. To me? no oh, okay no. these things will last forever though and they also require a lot of wires which i'm not sure you'd want to do um yeah. but man good like it is weird how we have the old uh analog tech because speakers are using analog wires basically typically um can last forever you know they're the, yeah. not, not they don't suffer the whims of smart devices or software updates um just yeah. uh makes me think more about those things and why we may need more of those in general um okay so did you see the Spotify news?
1: I think I cringed. cringed. <laughs> Spotify I is
2: debuting a TikTok style music discovery feed. We did talk about this rumor and they've the announced it this week. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, they're going to start rolling out in the home section of their mobile app with a more visual and dynamic look, according to Billy Steele. The company says the visual feeds are built for deeper discovery and more meaningful connections between artists and fans. I don't know. How do you feel about the vertical feed? Have, have your thoughts changed?
1: No, thanks. Next. Thank you next
2: thank you next um you don't want to just open up your sonos to have a blaring music at you that doesn't <sighs> No, sound like my a good okay look experience.
1: spotify when i this is my behavior when i open spotify i go into spotify i'm like what am i in the mood for i go and i look for i have like seven playlists depending on my mood right so i'm super upbeat today or like really chill low vibes and <laughs> Sherlin low vibes um and and i don't i don't go when i go discovering songs i just i'm like i want this song but replicated by different artists or something uh-huh, and uh-huh. i don't yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know if that's what they're going to do with this tiktok style thing but i'm not looking for a visual <sighs> experience i'm looking for an so, audio so just can't
2: help but give you a visual experience because if you look you at like most of the time, or yeah spotify yeah. most of the time when you're playing a song it shows you like a little clip of a video right. or something, right? Like always on and repeat. And,
1: it's getting, yeah. and I think that that's what this is built off of, right? So like, it's getting a bit weirder and weirder too with the, what the artists decide to provide with the little clips there too. Like for for this song that I really like called "BB Vengeance," they've changed the visual to, that accompanies it for a bit. And um, it's at first was this like one girl that's dancing the dance to "BB Vengeance," and I was very confused because it was not BB, and I was like, wait. What is this? Is this her in like really laid-back clothes? And uh-huh. then they changed it to like several other people dancing. This so basically there's like some kind of dance challenge going on, and then it's it's I don't know what the uh, point is, right? And then I also saw another yeah. one where it's a Taylor Swift song, and Taylor Swift just has her a loop of her like making a face at the camera or something as her album art thing, and I'm like,
2: it's so weird. Co- I feel so
1: close S- to you, I Spotify guess. Spotify
2: wants to chase. Um, the way we are hooked on social networks, right? They want to chase the way you swipe on TikTok or Instagram and be like, oh, yeah, you just want to keep swiping music, right? That's how you listen to music? I don't think so.
1: Spotify's yeah. most viral and most successful social media-style product is Spotify Wrapped, and that's all they got to do. I mean, I think that they've done very well with that, but they're still trying to chase others. Like, uh-huh. They should figure out a way to make Wrapped more like year round I guess I don't know some some other or way.
2: weekly or something give me like a weekly update but you know what music discovery is hard like how do you it how do hard. you find new music Shulin? like yeah, do you actually seek out new stuff or do you like go on recommendations from people
1: I do I do seek out new stuff I, I have to yeah I have to use a mix of ways I follow like uh, subreddits that do new music recommendations I do like my own, like I had to go through like copious, like music libraries on find like press it, pre- play the thing. Right. And then like skip to the chorus and like, do I like this chorus? And then like add it to my playlist or not, or, or, or watch YouTube um, compilations of new songs, 2023, that sort of shit. Um, but I think it's YouTube hard. YouTube
2: does end up weirdly. You, YouTube ends up being like the thing that I kind of turn to when I just want yep. background music, to be honest, like one of my favorite Same. channels. And I've talked about this before. is called my analog journal. And um, it is just, People spinning records. That's all it is. It's it's like it's DJs typically, but also people who have really good taste. And are just like, for an hour, I'm gonna spin you, you know, uh, salsa classics from the '70s. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't have to do any work. I don't have to like think about this or set up a playlist or hit radio for this one thing. Mm -hmm.
1: I have a very specific like. I have very specific vibes I need for like different times of day or different days in general, different moods, right? So like I. I don't like just randomizing it and letting someone decide for me. Maybe I'm a control freak. I am, um, but I. Yeah. If for those of well, Spotify, for those of you, does,
2: does Spotify have?
1: No, I was gonna say for those of you who are listening to us as your background noise right now, hey, rock on! Thanks for <laughs> putting our hey, voice what, in your
2: background. Does Spotify give you like vibes yet? Can you just like pick stuff? Like I, I have this vibe. I want to have stuff because I. They
1: they organize the feels they curate. Really to
2: me. I yeah. know they
1: do curate. They have like the further down you scroll, they have like oh um uh feeling myself energy or like um more of your crushes or uh bedroom jams which none of them are ever really fitting for me. I don't feel like they get me in terms of what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. So
2: it's weird. I do I do like the algorithmic playlist. So it's like give me a radio playlist, like give me a playlist based on this one song which you've talked right. about or this one artist yeah. and that is always useful. Um as part of this update by the way, Spotify is um updating that that kind of specific feature um it was called spotify enhanced before and now it's called smart shuffle uh it'll add suggestions to playlists that perfectly match the vibe quote unquote also mixes up the order you can activate it by double tapping on the shuffle icon um here's the thing like i want i want good music i don't want to do the work of always choosing it i want to be smart enough to like get me stuff i like you know so that is the push and pull that spotify is dealing with um you know what folks let us know what you think do you want a tiktok style feed in spotify yeah. once this thing debuts do you like it let us know and um drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com moving on to a couple of fun stories <laughs> um it turns out this is the week several companies have decided to launch uh very bright colorful devices so you have something special in your hands, right, Sherlyn? Or nearby. I do,
1: I do. Uh, I actually forgot to uh, bring it with me to the live stream, but the yellow okay. iPhone 14, uh, I have it. Um, you can head on over to the Engadget Instagram or YouTube to check out the unboxing video I did. Uh, but yeah, we have a yellow iPhone 14. It's a you can call it the banana colored yellow, like banana yellow. I call it the banana phone basically. Uh, uh, or you, it's P Pikachu yellow. yellow you it's know. Pikachu yellow, not P yellow, but it's also, depending on how healthy you are, it might be P yellow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yellow. Cool. Thanks for letting us know your, um, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, banana yellow. It's uh, what other types of yellows is? This? Uh, let us know. Uh, let us know. But <laughs> this It's, yellow it's a yellow
2: you? phone. I just want to know why. Why? Why? I like that. It is uh, March. <laughs> it is early March. Yeah we yeah. are 6 months away from the actual new iPhones
1: why why do we need a new color or now? an SE well or an but SE. they've done no. this before right yeah, this yeah, was yeah. the last last year this time we saw the, the green iPhone 13s uh, we saw army green regular iPhone 13 we saw frosted green iPhone 13 pro um, they just i get i don't know really what the the logic get, is like to like more sales
2: yeah. like people will be like okay exactly. well I see this color and I've been thinking of getting an iPhone, so I will make the jump. Because it's of that.
1: Too, right, right. If you were thinking of it and you thought that, like, you were holding out on a color to make your decision, because I, I don't see anyone that just bought an iPhone 14 in, let's say, blue or purple, which they both have as well, suddenly looking at the yellow going, no, I need to swap this out now for a yellow. Like, I don't see it unless you have oodles of money. Like, just, oh, so yeah, much money. it's this is not um, a
2: thing to swap to. It is a thing to upgrade. Two from an older iPhone, maybe. Yeah. Right. And also, this is not going to be on the Pros. This is just the iPhone 14 and iPhone 14 Plus. Yeah, and Plus.
1: Exactly. So, uh, pre-orders are uh, starting this Friday, which is tomorrow. And then it will be actually uh, retail available on Tuesday. So, uh, again, if you want to see what this looks like uh, in videos that are not made by apple you can go and on photos, to yeah. and get just instagram you know what?
2: i i feel like i would like a bolder shade of yellow like almost like a marigold um the no- uh, nokia like several years ago when they were doing the peer view phones it had like a really nice bold yellow that really stood this is out pretty
1: close it's this, this is, is kind of light
2: this feels a little like um it's very it's very like gentle it's more yellow, pikachu you know? yeah. than
1: like raichu i guess i don't know to right mean. too okay talk about <laughs> bold
2: colors microsoft also debuted a velocity green xbox controller. Oh, yeah. i have nothing to say except like uh, it took you this long to make a, a very all green um xbox series snx this controller this is, is your brand green is your yeah, brand but
1: also would you call this razor green you know what i mean like this is kind of close is it it's not the same green it's a little grassier Razor's than Razor's a little green. Green.
2: more neon limey yeah. yeah, more
1: lime and and acid, but this is this is this is. But it reminds me of like gamer vibes in the same way that Razer does.
2: Gamer vibes, sure, okay, whatever. It it looks nice, and I like, I the like Xbox it. controller. Yeah, if you're Although, listening,
1: Microsoft, I like it.
2: You like it? Send it to Shirlen to play. Uh, her not like your game not actually exist. Existing. Yeah,
1: I'll buy Xbox Game Pass. Okay, mm-hmm. like I just needed a okay. controller anyway.
2: Okay, Shirlen, imagine this. What about a horned beetle? A nice like spiny horn beetle with many many legs. How do you feel about that next to your ear? F off. Because that's what nothing wants you to think about with their new ear. <laughs> I want nothing earbuds. to
1: do with it. I want nothing. To Why do would you this. do this? Nothing. <laughs> it's so weird when I saw this picture, I was like, yeah. we have to talk about this on the podcast. Nothing that brand that we have sp- spoken of on this podcast several times before that made the transparent earbuds cases and the phone with the transparent back. They're back with a strange new teaser picture. Remember, the last time they made like a product announcement, they used parrots, I think, in their sure, images. They yeah. like, okay, birds, fine. This time around... If you if you haven't seen the image that uh, was used before, go over to Engadget.com. Um, Nothing's image is basically this like sixteen by nine picture, right? Uh, horizontal landscape picture, whatever. Uh, with the first two thirds on the left basically empty, and the one third on the right is this what a dung beetle, a scarab beetle, whatever it, it is. it could be a dung
2: beetle, but it looks like it's a spiny beetle that has like three very pointy tops and. Uh, Lots little, of legs, just legs, legs. with
1: yeah. yeah, and then like a very like it's bl- black and gr- it doesn't look slimy, kind of. But, I think it's but, but at like me. it's. Yeah. It's like, it looks like it's, oh yeah exactly i'm why losing my mind deep? here why is it staring at me why and would this be pushing... the image
2: you tie to a thing that you stuck oh, into your oh, ears oh, oh. oh the product
1: God. isn't even that prominently featured because like yeah. remember the last third of this picture is mostly is a of the Beetle pushing mm-hmm. away the the headphones so you push you get a glimpse of a transparent case with like uh-huh. what seems to be the top Charlotte, of the i
2: feel like you need to do some investigative reporting here you need to call up carl pay and be like what the hell are you thinking why are do you want people to associate these things with their ears things going into their ears? are these things gonna I don't know how far this marketing campaign will go i i um, I
1: mean look i ridiculous. I get it because it's it's been quite interesting to see the marketing images they've used um for all of this, but look, um the <laughs> I think there was some reasoning that they gave for this uh it was like. Honestly, I I felt like they gave an like a a sort of explanation, but I'm um, now that I'm reading our article more closely, I'm realizing that no, they didn't really no give an
2: explanation. If it is, what does a dung beetle look like? Um, no, you're a, right. You're no. right.
1: It's just it's just like yeah, it's ears a horn beetle because dung beetles. beetles are like
2: rounder. Um, but either way, not the great product association you want out there, Carl Pei.
1: They're going to launch on March 22nd, so I guess we'll find out more then.
2: In the US, though? Like, is this something we can buy? Probably not. We don't know. We really don't know. We'll find out more. Well, that was a great waste of time. Thank you, Nothing. Thank you, Carl Pay, as usual. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Um, I wrote up a piece about uh, another piece about the PlayStation VR 2. I spent a bunch of time in Gran Turismo 7 and Resident Evil Village uh, in virtual reality. And you know what? It's pretty wild. Like, I am, I think the PSVR 2 is really excellent hardware, as I discussed. I think it is way expensive, and um, I think it's a hard sell for a lot of people. But if you do end up getting one of these things, my God, are these games great? Like, actually sitting in the driver's seat in Gran Turismo 7 and looking around the car and using the mirrors realistically, um, it just feels really good. It feels like, oh man, this is what it's kind of the stuff we've been working towards for VR in general. And Resident Evil Village is freaking terrifying, just terrifying in VR because it's like any horror game in VR is rough, but especially that game, which has really creepy imagery and like, you know, the very tall vampire lady that everybody got obsessed with. Um, she is very tall in VR and VR really gives you a good sense of scale to be, to be squashed by vampire lady. So anyway, um enough about that i think these games are really good and we're seeing like more and more um high level games take advantage of vr with modes like these so that's a cool thing maybe vr should just be like a mode in in many games rather than have separate vr games i just don't know it requires so much development time it takes so much money to make those games it seems like a tough sell for developers because vr is such a an expensive thing already so maybe when we're all wearing ar glasses or something and you can like be thrown into a sort of virtual world based on a game that would be kind of cool but we're not quite there yet what are you working on charlin
1: i'm still testing the halo rise that's a little delayed because this week uh there's just more editing than usual um so i you know you'll see that coming still we're planning a very fun video uh on that we're waiting on amazon to help us out with something um but it should be a lot of fun uh stick around for that and then uh, South by Southwest kicks off today. Uh, we're not actually covering it in person or or whatever, but I expect some news out of it. There's sure news. to be some fun. They're VR not doing things remote
2: viewings for movies and stuff either, right? So that's somehow. How I, we've I mean, yeah, some if if, stuff, if individual companies not.
1: exactly, like yeah. individual companies will reach out to us. Um, and that's or sort movies. Of thing. So maybe like, like
2: the actual culture part of South by, we haven't really heard anything from folks. So
1: yeah, I have weird. like a VR thing I'm working on. Um, that's uh, like a I can't say because it's still. Okay. Under wraps, but uh, there that that might be going up on the site this week or next, uh, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, a bunch of things that we're working on in the background uh, around in gadget. There's the rest of our team has been hard at work, uh, and Dan Cooper actually tested a very interesting product that I think has caught a lot of attention this week. Uh, Remarkable, the people that made that e ink tablet that you can write on uh, have launched a type folio for the e ink or the e paper tablet, and it's called. Uh, it's, it's, well, according to Dan, it's a very pretty, very good looking thing, but a little expensive. I mean, like, isn't, it's very confusing to me. Like you went e-ink and you went Uh pen, right? But then now you're also like, yeah, let's type on it. I kind
2: of want to type on it. It's the thing. Like if I bought one of these things, I'd be like, okay, for sure. I do like, um, scribbling with my pen, but you know what? If I'm stuck somewhere and I have a device that I can just type words on, it's not connected to Twitter it doesn't, it can't, I can't go to YouTube and waste time. I just got to look at this black and white screen and write words. That's kind of yeah. cool. That's pretty compelling.
1: I know. I, I see the, uh, the appeal. It kind of like has like typewriter vibes, except for it's not, it's, you know, it's not a typewriter. It's, I, I see the appeal. It, is, it does seem expensive though. So I'm like not entirely sure, but if you want, you know, the details on all of that, go over to engadget.com uh, for Dan Coopers.
2: Let's, uh, let's talk about the pricing. So like the, the remarkable two is 299 Mm. Um, you have to buy the stylus separately. It's seventy nine or one hundred twenty nine dollars, and the keyboard folio is one hundred ninety nine dollars. And I do believe the last time I looked at the Remarkable, you also have to pay a, a subscription. A subscription fee to actually for use, the software. Like, yeah, to, that, that syncs your
1: notes. Yeah, it's really just for the syncing yeah. of your notes but across if devices. If you have this thing, you'd,
2: wanna, you'd want to use that. So anyway, I keep looking at the Remarkable and being like, "This is." You're such a beautiful piece of hardware. You you do not make sense. You do not make sense in my life at all. But man, is it is it cool for some people? If one of you is crazy enough to buy this thing, let us know. Um, PodcastingGadget.com. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What's up, Sherlyn?
1: Um, This week, I am blanking on one, <laughs> one second. Well done. I almost got it. I almost got it. Wait.
2: <laughs> see this is why i write mine down and truly i write i
1: sent them to uh i sent them to right, the let movie. me let okay, me
2: I go it, and it, then you, you think about yours okay for me i just want to shout out creed 3 the third film in the creed franchise and i don't know what, what is this the ninth rocky film technically oh like Lord. in the yeah. rocky yeah. universe um this yeah. is michael b jordan's first movie um that he has directed um mm. It is incredible, and I think it's really good. So I just want to say that. Um, if you enjoyed Creed 1 and the sort of, like, dynamics of the fights, I think um, this movie, like, it brings in Jonathan Majors, who was also recently in, yeah. in Quantumania, and he is beautiful man, a beautiful boxer, as a sort of like childhood friend who has been sort of betrayed by uh, by Adonis Creed. Um at least as a kid. Like he he was in jail for a while because of a crime that they were both uh, there for as as younger folks. And uh he has a bit of a chip on his block on his shoulder. Um this movie is incredible. And I will say this uh, mainly because this movie is anime. And my god, it is Ugh. wild to see Like Michael B. Jordan has talked a lot about his love of anime. Like he's a straight up weeb. Uh, go look at Polygon. Like, they've talked with him about this stuff. Like, he is referencing Naruto, he is referencing like specific episodes and like character arcs. And the sort of dynamics of people who used to be very good friends who become like kind of mortal enemies very anime the actual mm-hmm. way they shoot the fight scenes too is very like dynamic the camera is always moving there's like great parallax motion at times where like the camera is circling around somebody while the background is moving in a different direction there are freeze frame shots of just like just like it, you just took a frame of Naruto or Dragon Ball Z honestly and put it on screen and made people around America watch it in theaters and I'm like I got to applaud it it looks amazing so I really dug this movie. I feel like it could have been longer. Like, there's a lot going on in it that uh, could be explored a bit more. But man, if you have a chance, go see Creed 3 in theaters. It is anime. Confirmed. What's up, true? I like
1: the, the marketing around this movie has been interesting too because I don't know if I got targeted advertising or whatever, but the, one of the ads was like, oh, tell your boyfriend this is a movie about boxing. I was just like more like tell your girlfriend the... there's hot sweaty men in this like kind right of like what
2: is that too yeah it was um, a really
1: weird ad i was just like i don't it feels weird i i didn't like it um and then also i saw the michael b jordan interview with his like former high school bully or something on the red carpet oh I man i love that like he was Did you uh, see that? the
2: person who sort yeah. of used to make fun of him cuz uh, yeah. he was he was a child you called actor. you caught me corny you caught me he corny he was somebody he yet. brought headshots into school like he was somebody who was hustling to be an actor yeah. when he was a kid mm-hmm. and these this person would make fun of him now she is interviewing him on the red carpet and he's just trying like, to get oh. him to talk to her yeah he's just like oh remember remember when you called me corny no like she the, even
1: brought it up she was like remember we were we went to the same high school no we, we went, went to the same like, high school yeah, and he was
2: like yeah i remember
1: you called me corny yeah he was like, yeah you said i was a corny oh kid. man
2: she, that's uh, like, oh, just no. a truly epic moment look up this clip of him just being he, he could have like made it much worse for her too so yeah but oh, he man. was very
1: he stayed through the interview and he talked through mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. be a bit he was you know on the professional end of things, which was good. <laughs> anyway, speaking of funny, uh my recommendation is actually uh and I'm sure you'll approve of this one, Atsuko Okatsuka's comedy special on HBO. It's called The Intruder. Atsuko Okatsuka is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um she is a I think first generation Japanese uh, American uh person and this special was directed by Tig taro Um and she just she just nails a lot of the humor i also like when humor can be funny but inoffensive and she relates a lot of her personal experiences which i as someone that's an immigrant identify with a lot like okay you probably have seen this joke float around instagram so this is not a spoiler um one of her jokes is basically she goes like oh my grandma is gluten-free now or is gluten intolerant now and she goes uh did you know did you know that our community can get this? I was like, "Yes, Asian people, we don't have food intolerance. intolerances." Like, what's going on? She was like, "I thought it was, she went," she, and she starts laughing. She goes, "I thought only white people <laughs> had this."
2: we like, oh this was God. a made-up thing." I mean, yeah, it was okay. quite funny. So look at it. Have you seen so, the Chris Rock special, which was the other I big, just, comedy I did. That's. And,
1: I was gonna. I was gonna mention it alongside. So I have seen the Chris Rock. What did What did you think?
2: I, I want to see Atsuko's because I think Chris Rock's is like, oh man, you were, you're just a dinosaur. A bit more,
1: you more offensive. Know, yeah,
2: not even just offensive. Just like. Man, I I could tell why your marriage didn't work out, huh? I could tell like you you just have a lot of issues around women, and you should be telling some of this to your therapist and not not to mm. us as an audience. So it's very I, 90s, yeah. like very 90s. It's also humor in a lot of ways.
1: It's yeah. also a very nice change because Atsuka's, um comedy special focused on it, it? You know, her husband features prominently in her stories, and but they're like a you can see they have a healthy like relationship where they're both very secure and well adjusted like and each you know other. what's cool they yeah. like each other you know what's <laughs> cool at the end of the special she brings out her grandmother and her husband onto Aww. the stage and they wave and they say hi and everything too it's I I, I actually haven't seen that in a stand up yet I thought that was pretty cool um, That's beautiful. so it's it's wholesome I, and I like that we all need a little bit of
2: wholesome wholesome is good uh, I love love good comedy thank you for sharing that Charlene and I think yeah. you can wrap. check
1: it out well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at...
2: At Divindra on Twitter and at Davindra at Mastodon.social on the Elephant site.
1: If you have any other reference colors for like reference things for what the yellow iPhone looks like, you can send them to me on Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.
2: Send us your favorite hex codes.